hey, you Canadian kitty girls, it's JBC. On today's episode of the pod, I'm going to be flying solo for the recap portion of this week's episode of Canada's Drag Race and leave a little more time to get into my interview with this week's eliminated queen for a longer kiki than the huge because connecting with the queens is definitely my favorite part of this show. And as the season has gone on and you all have fallen deeper in love with the queens, I'm sure you'd all approve and appreciate a deeper dive into their experience in the workroom, on the main stage, and in the real world after she done already done had herses. But as always, before we get into it, fair warning that this episode is going to be full of what? Spoilers. So be sure to watch along with us and stay up to date on all new episodes of Canada's Drag Race every Thursday night on WOW Presents Plus in the United States and Select Territories, on Crave in Canada, BBC Three in the UK, and Stan in Australia. And now, ladies and gentlemen, start your engines and may the best woman... When? It's the top four! On last week's episode, Priyanka got her pre-demption with her second Maxi Challenge win of the season and is also feeling like Lemon was her fiercest competition, but now that she's gone... Anus thing is possible. Stacey McKenzie enters the workroom and lets it be known that one of these queens are going to win $100,000 and snatch the title of Canada's first drag superstar. For their mini challenge, the queens are going to be auditioning for Stacy and Sabrina Jaliz. The queens have 20 minutes to get into quick drag and meet Stacy on the challenge stage. One by one, they take their turns at the mic to belt out their versions of the Canadian National Anthem drag style. The pitch-perfect winner of this week's mini-challenge is Rita Baga, who wins a $1,000 gift certificate courtesy of Dirt Squirrel. Stacy announces this week's maxi-challenge is going to be a ball, honey. And not just any ball, a Canadian-style snowball. The queens will sport three different looks. The categories are Holiday CEO, Apres the Apres Ski, the Icy Walk of Shame, and the final category is a design challenge serving us their fiercest ice queen eleganza extravaganza. Rita Baga, our French-Canadian chantreuse, is assessing the competition and breaking down just how different these queens all are. Scarlet Bobo is a gothy rock goddess, Priyanka is a glam pop princess, and Jimbo is an eccentric fashion forward force to be reckoned with it really is anyone's game at this point priyanka brings up a good point saying when have you ever seen a person of color at the ski lodge because racism and white privilege are what real honey they real just take a look at the ski slopes the proof is in the pudding things get very Canadian at this point as Jimbo sees Bobo struggling with her seamstress skills and lends her a hand and some advice. And then the queens flip the fuck out when Stacey McKenzie announces this week's extra special guest host, drag race legend, Michelle Visage. The stakes are high, and with Michelle joining us on the panel, they just got even higher. Not a mistake can be made, not a stitch out of place, because at this point in the game, everyone's a winner, baby, and the judges are going to be splitting hairs to determine who makes it to the finale. It's a new day in the workroom, and the queens are ready to show Michelle Visage how Canadian girls do it and do it well. As we hit the main stage, our most special, extra special guest host, Michelle Visage, stomps the runway, serving the fiercest share fantasy. Now, I also have to give a shout out to JPEG Jane, who custom designed this legendary children JBC jacket for me. And I get to give it a little shimmy and shake on the main stage as homage to our friend Suzanne Barch, who always makes sure to show both the front and the back of her ensemble like a true fashionista. And now back to Michelle Visage, who's been waiting a long ass time to done had herses as she expertly serves the iconic lines, Gentlemen, start your engines, and may the best woman win. 
are Bells of the Ball, Take the Runway, and the First of Three Looks, Holiday CEO, followed by Apre the Apre Ski, and finally, The Piste de Resistance, their Ice Queen Eleganza Extravaganza. Jimbo takes the stage, followed by Rita Baga, then Priyanka, and last but not least, Scarlet Bobo. Now, normally... Here on the pod, we do a rundown of what we think of the runway looks, but y'all just are going to have to take it from me that each one of these legendary children slayed the fashion game, and it was not an easy decision to make. We, as the judges, have fallen so deeply in love with each and every one of these queens and are so, so incredibly proud of their own personal evolutions throughout the course of this season, embodying a stronger clearer, more fully realized version of themselves than the day they first walked into the workroom. That's truly all we can ask for. It's just been such a blessing, a pleasure, and honor to help guide them through their drag race journeys. Uh, we also have one of my favorite moments of the season, breaking out the childhood photos of our queens as they send love and affirmations to their younger selves. The winner of this week's maxi challenge, the grand bell of the ball is Scarlet Bobo, which gives me chills then and gives me chills now. She waited a long ass time to score this win and she was so deserving. Scarlet Bobo wins a seven day trip for two to Vienna and a spot in the top three and finale of Canada's Drag Race. Priyanka is the second Ice Queen to land a spot in the finale. That means in the bottom two, we have Jimbo and Rita Baga lip-syncing for their lives this week to the Canadian twin-lesbian duo Tegan and Sarah's hit song, Closer. Now that's it for this portion of the pod. I hope y'all enjoy this week's episode of the show and join me on Friday, September 11th for the season finale of the Canada's Drag Race official podcast. But for right now, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with a kiki with this week's Eliminated Queen coming up next. Hey, Squirrel Friends, it's JBC. Be sure to catch an all-new episode of Canada's Drag Race every Thursday night on the WOW Presents Plus app. Subscribe for only $3.99 a month for all the extra hot northern tea you can handle. Start your free trial now. I'm here with Canada's favorite clown. It's Jimbo. Hey, Jimbo, how's your head? Oh, no complaints yet. Yes. Uh, how are you, honey? I'm absolutely wonderful. I'm happy to be on your podcast. I don't think I've ever been on a podcast. This is so exciting. Are you kidding? This is your first podcast appearance? I think so. I don't know. I don't, as far as I know, I've never been on a podcast. So. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm, I love that I'm breaking your cherry, popping po popping your cherry, breaking you in, one or the other. Who cares? Either way, it sounds sexy, you know? <laughs> How you doing? How are you holding up there in Victoria, Canada? Oh, we are so good. Yeah, we we are on this magical little island, Vancouver Island, and mm -hmm. fortunate to um, have flattened our curve very early, and everyone's very um, sort of conscious and respectful. And so we have we live a very fortunate kind of open-ish but conscious uh, living situation here where we're able to have viewing parties and we've been able to host, you know, small gatherings where we're able to celebrate and sort of come out of being in quarantine. And so that's been really important for everyone here and really lucky. Oh, Jimbo, that's so wonderful to hear. I think that was one of our greatest concerns. I remember Brooklyn and I had several conversations about it at the beginning of uh, coronavirus and quarantine that we were just so hoping that you all would have an opportunity to have the full drag race experience and get to go out and meet the people yeah. and perform. And I'm so glad that you didn't have to wait. Alona Verley told me that she came out to Victoria for a viewing party with you and was performing on stage in front of plexiglass and could only see her own reflection. She couldn't even see the audience. Is that the same setup that you're performing in? Yeah, yeah we have this, like, it's sort of like a big plexiglass ball that dangles on three sides. Mm. And you can throw food at it. You can, you, know, press, you can press your breasts against it. It's actually, it's sort of like one of the, it's actually a big giant mirror. But it's hard when there's questions because... You know, what in the questionnaire, it's just you're looking at yourself and then a little voice from behind asks this question. And you're like, <laughs> just like, you can't really see anyone. That part's kind of weird. But 
yeah, it's it's nice. It makes everyone feel safe, and it kind of makes you feel like you're at Sea World. I feel like Shamu. <laughs> That's amazing. What is what is the drag scene like in Victoria? I'm some. I lived in Vancouver for like six years. Uh, you know, six years solid, and then four years on and off working on a couple of different shows. And I, I've attended a lot, a lot of drag shows in vancouver but never victoria what is what's the scene like there uh victoria is like you know an an island of sort of weirdos and there's a lot of cool alternative drag here there's lots of drag kings and lots of nine Mm. binary drag and um people just really experimenting and it's a really um artistic community so there's a really beautiful audience base that is very supportive and so it's a lot of people sort of creating their own opportunities to um gather and to perform and to showcase each other and their own art and then there's Mm. this amazing audience that will come and gather and so a lot of people are learning and workshopping and trying things that um, they wouldn't you know normally have a space to try and so it's i think it really lends to this beautiful alternative drag support that um you know, it lends to really unique, creative takes on things. So it's, yeah, it's an amazing community here. And I feel really lucky. Gosh, that sounds so exciting. What a beautiful yeah. environment to be able to like cultivate creativity. That's incredible. So, I mean, I, I, I think that explains so much of who you are and so much of what we got to see this season on Drag Race because you're so, you're, 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 you are just so multifaceted. You're so clearly an artist. We know that you come from a background of costume design, but, you know, I, I've heard a little bit about your, your background uh, working as a cabaret performer, but I don't, I don't really know the details of it. So I want to dive in with you. How did you how did you start drag and why drag? It seems like you could have gone down any road. You could have been, uh, you know, an artist, a clown, a cabaret performer. But why did this medium call to you? Well, I would say like I I still am all those other things. And Mm. I basically I started when I was very young. Um, My mom put makeup on me when I was maybe like five or six. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, wow, mommy, I'm so beautiful (laughs) i just fell in love with beauty and my mom you know always had her high heels she always said she loved crinolines she loved like floral dresses and you know my dad uh was a scientist and we had some money and so you know they would rent limousines and we would drive around in limousines and my you know it was this like sort of like weird 80s crazy alcohol-infused dream for this short window of time that was very impressionable on me. And so, you know, my there was crazy affairs and his, you know, his girlfriend had these huge fur coats and they big blonde hair and he was buying her diamonds to apologize. Wow. And it was just, you know, all very dramatic. And my mom had long nails and big breasts and, you know, so, and it was the 80s. And so like, I think like all of those ideas of beauty and sexuality and all of that sort of like wove into me. And um my dad was also very homophobic. And so, you know, my brother and I being interested in all of that, rather than being interested in science and, you know, math, typical masculine things, he was really afraid of that. So he would burn um, my costumes or my clothing or anything he thought was gay, he would burn it in our fireplace. <laughs> and so we had to hide stuff. And we had this big room in our basement called the dungeon, which was this, you know, this really a huge, huge room just filled with stuff and my family stuff and stuff from all ages. And so we would hide in there and we'd dress in my grandma's clothes and my mom's clothes that we'd steal and we'd spin around and live our fantasy. And you know, then <laughs> that was all like burnt and we were shamed and we were little faggots and da 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 da. And it was also humiliating. And so we moved away from that. And then there was all sorts of trauma and brainwashing and heartbreak. And eventually I left and I moved from my home and I cut my ties with my father. And I started to perform here in Victoria with this uh, vaudeville troupe, Atomic Vaudeville. And um, through vaudeville, I kind of uh, started, I took my first clown course with the director, Brent Small. And that's really how I started to understand performance. Mm. And and you know understanding that the the clown and performance is really about being a conduit for joy and it's about being a big giant kind of ear and a receptor for your audience and it's, it's really all in service of the audience mm. 
And for the clown, it's also about just getting yourself off and that, and that balance between serving yourself and making sure that you are living, you are happy, you are feeling it so much that you can share that and be a conduit for that. And so I started as a clown and I sort of, I wasn't so concerned around beauty. I was more concerned around character. And my first clown turn was as my evil ex-stepmother. And I sort of exercised her torture of me through impersonating her and screaming and tearing up all of my hair and crying. And everyone in the audience was sort of like shocked and they laughed and they cried. And I just screamed and I, and I, and I basically exercised her through my drag and my performance. And then from that, I just sort of like continued to work on it and more and more beauty sort of came into it. And I just allowed myself to be beautiful. Whereas before I was afraid, you know, uh, to be masculine, I was afraid to really go there. But then I realized, oh, no, there's, I don't need to be afraid of it. I need to own it and love it. And so then I started just owning my beauty, trying to be more beautiful and believing in my beauty and emerged as a beautiful drag clown. Yes, you did. Jimbo, have you done a lot of therapy? Because you are so damn good at telling your own story. It seems like you really know the depths of who you are. Uh, I guess it's like, you know, being sort of an alternative artist and being gay and being um you know trying to explain myself in this world yes i've had to do it a bunch of times working in film and working in theater and yeah. uh, you know getting on drag race and all of these things you really have to be able to know yourself and your point of view so that you yeah. can share your message and you know i i really want to do that i see how important that is you having this platform and having this reach and connecting with so many people mm -hmm. is really have to it's all about um the kindred spirit and that we are all more alike than we are different and we mm. all need love and we all need support and so i think that um that's what i want to do with this and that's what i want to share mm, that's so beautiful yeah it's i'm so proud of you it sounds like you've come through so much and it feels like so much of it of your healing was was self-imposed rue often tells me that um that I'm an alchemist. I have a, a painting by Georgia O'Keeffe in my living room. And when he saw it for the first time, I told him the story of when I was a kid and uh, kids used to call me black pansy. And this, I used to, I was so hurt by it and so offended by it. And, you know, I was like a little black queer kid in, in, in Alberta and not really have a deep, having a deeper understanding of, of anything in the world around me, but just knowing that being called a black pansy was so hurtful until years ago, I saw this gorgeous painting of a black pansy, this beautiful flower by Georgia O'Keeffe. And now I have it hanging in my living room and it fills me with such pride and joy whenever I see it. It's like, you are, you're an alchemist. You took the energy that was painful and challenging in your life and you flipped it to make it something powerful for yourself yes. it's really beautiful so yeah me too so so much of what you said um you have to know who you are in order to bring that to every area and aspect of your life and that is something that we that you so clearly did on season one of canada's drag race oh absolutely and it's the reason why so many people were drawn to you it's the reason why i was so in love with you i didn't i think at first I, I I was fascinated by you, but I didn't quite get it just because you were so incredibly different from any other drag performer that we had there on set with us. But I was still just so intrigued by you. And something that was so apparent to me was that no matter what the challenge was, no matter what the runway performance was or the category, you brought you brought yourself. There was nothing but the essence of Jimbo in every single in every single challenge. I want to know, I want to know about your drag race journey. How how are you feeling about your time on the show and on set with us? Well, it's a dream come true, an absolute dream come true on so many levels. I, you know, for years told my partner, I will tour the world as a clown, as a famous clown. And I've been telling him one day, I know it. And it turns out I'm a, a famous drag clown. So, I mean, that's even better. I didn't anticipate that. Yes, you manifested it. Yes. I manifested and I also years ago made a wish that I could be friends with anyone on the street. I was like, I just wish that I could just connect with as many people on earth as possible and just mm -hmm. spread love and joy. And that's happened now. Mm -hmm. I literally, I can walk around and there's friends everywhere. And I already knew there was friends everywhere because I traveled and everywhere I went, I made friends. And I was like, this, the whole world is just filled with friends. And so, you know, this, 
this has been the biggest win ever because I have friends all over the world now and people that are inspired by me and people that um, see bits of themselves in me and it empowers them to be more themselves and to go, yeah, it's okay to be freaky. It's okay to be myself. It's okay mm -hmm. to, to, you know, scream things and be kind of crazy. It's because, you know, everyone, everyone loves that. Everyone feels that. And, mm -hmm. you know, love yourself, love yourself and celebrate. And so I think I love that. That's so beautiful, Jimbo. I mean, something that can't be ignored is the, I'm so glad to hear that it translates into the real world as well, but you certainly have an online super following, super fandom that you've acquired this season as our undeniable breakout star. How oh. are how are, you, <laughs> how are you managing all of this uh, attention and energy and devotion? Well, you know, I I haven't really been able to really look a lot at it. I try my best. But it's a really just, there's so much going on outside of the social media that it's, it's really hard to really dive in. And, but, you know, I try my best to answer people and to write to people and um, to look at the fan art and to share the fan art. And, you know, but it's, it's very, it's kind of hard to really take it all in and to really fully, I don't know, to really fully grasp it. I, it mm -hmm. feels like kind of like a surreal dream in a way. And, um, I'm so fortunate that I have so much love and I'm so fortunate that so many people um, like my take on drag and got to laugh at, you know, what happened on the show. I think it was such a unique um, scenario to be put in those challenges and to be given all of those tools to just have fun and play with each other. And um, so, yeah, it was all just incredible. and. I guess like your question was about, you know, how am I dealing with all of the fans? And I guess I just, I just love it. I, there's not much <laughs> I can really say about it beyond. I just, I feel so grateful and I, and I feel responsible to, to be good and to be loving and to um, continue to, to show people thank you for believing in me. And mm. I have a dream and I have a vision and that dream and vision is about more beauty, joy, love through art and expression in this world. And I'm going to do that. And so um, all of the support means it's a cycle of beauty and I will cycle it back out. And so it's not going to get stuck inside of me. It's both me and out again. Love that energetic flow. I love yeah. that. You said something, you said a key word that I think is so important, responsible. I think it's, there's a certain level of responsibility that comes with a platform like this with great power comes great responsibility. And I think yeah. the, the, the fandom that you, that you have acquired over these past few months is reminiscent to me of, um, the, of Valentina's fans who just love everything that she does and it's so beautiful to see um the amount of love that is being pumped your way but al along with that if if we're you know if we're being real there's there is a bit of a dark side to that cult following and i know that that some of the queens have been come for i've been come for like rita bega are you are you seeing that are you are you affected by that at all Yes, yes. I've tried to tweet and I've tried, you know, I'm new to the tweeting thing and it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, for me to just send a message out into the ether and just sort of like on a wing and a prayer. It's sort of like tying a little note to a pigeon and then just, you know, hoping that pigeon's going to the right spot. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm trying my best to do that. And I'm also, um, you know, I made an, an, another post on my Instagram trying to, to speak out about that because no, of course, you know, we, we want people to celebrate drag, celebrate mm. the show, celebrate the fact that there are queer artists on TV and on mm. people's videos and out there expressing and being visible. And um, it's, you know, I think that there's a lot more positive to celebrate and to talk about online than there is to, to be negative. And I really, I hope that um, people start you know, just shift that and mm -hmm. find other ways to express what they're feeling mm -hmm. without tearing other people down. And I, though, it's it feels unfortunate to me that something with so much love, like all the judges, all of the cast, all the crew, brought love 
to that studio. And the whole thing is meant to celebrate and to spread more love. And so, you know, when the whole thing is clouded with so much negativity, it really dilutes the message mm -hmm. and it's really divisive and it's really sad. And it feels to me, um, a, just a missed opportunity just uh, for a lot more celebration where people could feel, um, yeah, not so torn apart and not so, so ashamed and not so bullied and not so targeted because, you know, we're all at this point, a raw nerve open to the world. We show the entire world who we are, you included. And, you know, so that takes bravery and that takes uh, a lot to to do that. And so that deserves to be celebrated and doesn't deserve to be, you know, poked and prodded. And, you know, when, people, when we are open and we're exposed, you know, that takes people supporting and seeing us and, you know, trying to spread as much love out of mm -hmm. all of us. And that's what I wish would happen. Oh, Jimbo, that's so well said. I appreciate that so much. And I, I can say, I, I have to thank you so much. You've been so kind and so supportive in sending me personal messages of support and love and kindness. And uh, it's really it's really meant the world. You know, I haven't been engaging on social media or really seen the depths of what's going on beyond me, you know, when it comes to uh, the enormity of the response from the fandom and the show. So I can only imagine getting seeing just a tiny glimpse of it. I can imagine how... Um, you know, the, the grand scale of it, but knowing that this is the energy that you're putting out, knowing that you can see it clearly for what it is and that you can just continue to infuse kindness and love into your following and your fan base. It's just, you're such a beautiful represent, you're such a beautiful representative of the brand. We're so, we're so blessed to, to have your mindfulness because I feel like that's really what it comes down to is a level of mindfulness and bringing sense to the insanity with a level of groundedness and, um, you know, just, just genuine, genuine love it really it's such a beautiful it's so beautiful to see you am embodying that um coming coming on to the set of the show with us what what was the vision that you held for yourself prior to to stepping foot into the workroom did you have an intention um yeah my you know as the as the clown is all about shared surprise and it's all about um you know really being truthful in the moment and so everything that I brought to the show was for the show. It was never before worn. It was never before seen. Every shoe was new. Every wig was new. Every outfit had never been worn. And so, you know, my intention was to come with the best representation I could of myself and my drag and my art and to use this moment to really um, show the world my point of view. And so, and... I really didn't want to think too much about it beforehand. So my entrance, you know, when I walk in and I, I just really want to see what sound comes out of that character when I walk in the room. So I didn't know what I was going to do. They asked me, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'm just going to see what comes out. And so, Oh, you know, wow. That's what came out, girl. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then I was like, I guess I'm spinning a circle. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, Jimbo. Were you were you a fan of the show? Like, had you had had you oh, yeah. like a super fan? Have you watched every every episode every season? That kind of fan? Every episode, every season since season two, um, and then I went back and watched the first one, obviously, and. But yeah, we used to have viewing parties and, you know, people used to say to me, my, my partner at the time would say, oh my God, you need to be a drag queen on the show. And I was like, mm. oh my God, I'm a clown. I'm not a drag queen. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love that. And, you know, as I watched the show and I saw people carving pads and I saw people doing all these things that I did, you know, I was like, oh my God, this, this is my world. These are my people. And then, you know, as I watched they're, you know, working in theater and working in the cab racing, certain challenges I would do, you know, I worked under pressure, working under timelines, working with unusual uh, materials, you know, and I had to make my own Hello Kitty head, just like they did on the show. I did this like bodybuilder character, just like milk on the thing. There was like so many mirrors of my art on that show that I just thought, oh my God, you know, I these are my people, this is my platform, this is where I want to be, and this is how, what I want to do. And then, you know, the barrier was the border and being in America. And, 
And my scenario here in Canada is so good that I could never, you know, I would never want to leave this. So it coming to Canada was a dream come true. And I knew immediately I had friends say, if you ever have a chance to get on Drag Race, we will help you with your videos. My friend Shiraz, um, I phoned him and I said, it's time. I was like, we need to go, go, go make this happen. So I don't know if you saw my audition tape, but. I did. It was it was something special, Jimbo. It was something special. <laughs> yeah, you're extraordinary. You're so extraordinary. You said you said that watching the show, you felt like you had found your people, but so many of your sisters hadn't heard of you before stepping foot into the workroom with us on episode one. Were, were, were you familiar with any of the other queens prior to stepping on the show? I was not familiar with anybody, nobody, none of the girls. The only person I knew was, I knew you, Brooklyn, and Stacey, because um, they sort of released that to the world sooner. And, but, you know, the people, like any of the other drag queens, no, I had no idea any of them at all. And many of the guest judges i didn't know either and i'm sort of in my own little world you know i don't really spend a lot of time you know i work in film and i work in theater and i work as a drag queen and i have the studio with my partner so i work usually you know 17 hours a day and rarely am i laying down watching other things i'm either Mm. making something or you know, and every now and again, when I do lay down, my eyes are only open briefly, and then they close, and then I miss it. <laughs> because I literally, sometimes I sit on my bed, and my feet won't get off the ground. Like, they won't. I think my side lays down, but my feet are still on the ground with the shoes on. And I'm like, he's like, please, just lift your legs and get into freaking bed. I'm like, I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't touch off yet. And then I'd be like, finally take my shoes off, and I'm, like, I'm asleep right like that. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's like what? everybody. Just like, go, 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 and then just dead. I believe it. What um, what were some of your most impactful memories that you have of, of being on set with us? Are there any moments that stand out specifically? Well, you know, there are some. That moments. smile on your face, girl. I can, I can only imagine what you're going to say, child. I can only imagine. No, there's so many moments that stand out. You know, the pageant where I finally got to be close to you and I humped you and then I and then I sucked that microphone. That was special. That was really special. So, you know, and I could literally smell the fear. I could yeah. see it in your eyes. Girl, I was only scared because I had signed an ironclad contract that I will not engage with the queens. I will not touch the queens. I will not fraternize with the queens. I talk to you when the cameras are rolling and that is it. So I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, am I going to, am I going to lose my job right now? But it was good TV. So what are you going to do? I took full advantage. I was like, you know, you did the show. Yeah. You can't hide behind that desk. I'm coming for you. (laughs) You're so funny. You're so funny. And then, you know, the, I'm a huge fan of the untucked portion of the show. I mm-hmm. love it. I love the spiciness. I love the drama. And so, you know, seeing that back, in the, aside from, you know, the part that was cringy, horrible for me to see myself put to that um, stress level and just mm-hmm. so tired and just so feeling like, why am I not being seen the mm-hmm. way I see myself? Why, you know just so frustrated and tired. So I got kind of crazy, Mm -hmm. but in the context of the show and as a drag queen, you know, serving a little bit of drama, that part was really kind of funny to watch. Yeah. It was, you know, as it's, you know, one of those things, it's two feelings about it where it's just like, Ooh, I wish that wasn't me, but kind of like you have to laugh because that's what happened. And so, you know, it wasn't necessarily the, the cutest and a lot of people, you know, were not happy with me acting like that or being like that Mm. um and that's not who i am really you know i wouldn't never be like that in normal life it's it's the energy of the stress and you're not sleeping and then Mm -hmm. all of the pressure and the drive and your dreams and it's like you were just at this peak of like months and months and this like all of this energy and all of this love and all of this anticipation and your dreams and you're like and you are just trying so hard to keep it all together and to make it on time and to make it on that runway and to blow people's minds and to show people your art and to be perfect and so you know it's 
this massive <laughs> glass castle that it's like, you know, at a certain point, it's, you know, you throw a tiny little stone at it and it just like shatters. And mm-hmm. then you're just like, wow! And you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God. It was this, you know, I, it's a unique scenario and it's reality TV. And yeah. so it's what it is. Say that, say that one more time. It's what? It's what? It's reality TV and it's all fun. Yes, girl. It's reality TV, kids. It's just television. It's just television. Yeah, girl. I mean, I I know that to be everything that you're saying to be true. I mean, I wasn't when I saw it. I wasn't. I mean, obviously, I was aware of it. I had heard behind the scenes what had what had taken place in the talks. The freaking puppet show. I know that was everything. That was such a good moment. I do have to admit that. That was good TV, even though I was the subject of the one who had been come for in that moment. It was good TV. But even sitting back and watching it when the episode aired, I could see it for exactly what it was. It was all the things that you just said. It was a tremendous amount of stress. It was you, like, anticipating getting to this point for months and months and months. You were sailing through this competition. You were soaring towards the top. And then all of a sudden, all of that was threatened. And with a couple of critiques, the thought of you being in the bottom, the thought of you potentially going home and not being able to showcase the rest of what you brought when you know that you have so much more to bring. I got it. I understood it exactly for for what it was. I didn't take it personally. You know, the fact that everybody else is, is just like, there's this like bizarre level of sensitive toxicity with the reaction of some of the viewers that doesn't quite make sense to me. But um, you know, it was it was very reminiscent to me of the Alaska moment in All Stars Two. Maybe not to the same degree, but it w- but it's the same thing. It's the same energy. It's the, it's not necessarily a, a positive or accurate representation of who either of you are. It's just all of the circumstances. It's all of that pressure. It's like we nobody's equipped for this shit. Nobody has a guidebook as to how to handle a situation like this. So it's inevitable that if if put under the the right circumstances with just the right ingredients and just the right amount of pressure where all of us are bound to blow you know so there's it was it was good tv what are you gonna do and i'm a clown and so the, the clown is about all the feelings and so you know i can't just be like crazy and funny and positive and like to that degree and that without like swinging the other way and also being kind of a crazy little bitch sometimes me too like, me too girl that's I'm just a real freaking person after all. Yes. Are you? And yes, honey. So, I mean, like, you dress me up on, like, you know, like, some crazy bitchy Glamazon and then come for me. I had, what am I supposed to do? I couldn't just be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're, oh, yeah, you're totally right. And then just, like, drag out a big garbage bin and climbing it myself. Come on. You're so silly. I mean, I think that's something, I mean, I know you're just joking, but I mean, there's truth to that as well. But, you know, I think that's something that that people just don't get to see is that is like, is the connection that we do have on set, even though we don't get to spend time together when the cameras aren't rolling. I mean, I think it's totally obvious, like you said at the beginning of this conversation, the amount of love that all of us brought on set, the crew, the cast, the judges. um, We love you. We felt I was so deeply in love with you. None of us could play favorites. And like what, you know, what stood out to me was that when you came over and I saw that you were wearing Moldavite, which is my special stone that I also wear. And I saw that and I was like, I'm wearing it right now, baby girl. Do you see? For the interview. I love it. I'm wearing it right now. Did I tell you? It was Ross Matthews that gave this to me. I heard in your other interview, I was like, of course. It's so yes. beautiful. And I have a beautiful, that was given to me by my part, my ex-partner, Hank Pine, gave me this beautiful piece that I always keep on me. And so when I saw that you had that, I was like, and then, you know, there was many other moments where you were so um, intuitive and very kind. And, you know, I could, I could sense that you're a very spiritual, sensitive, kind, intuitive person. And, you know, there, unfortunately, within the context of the show, there wasn't a lot of room for that softness because of the position you were in. It's not like Jeffrey's or Chapman's soft rays. Right. <laughs> you're so funny. You know, you had you you had to do what you had to do, and at the end of the day, we all just really had fun. And yeah, I think, I think we just need to focus on all the fun parts about it. Really, 
Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I could absolutely feel your um, your intuitive side and your really soft side as well. Um, wh- where do, where does that come from? From within you? Do you is it something that you practice? Do you have a spiritual practice? Meditation, yoga, any of that hippy dippy woo woo shit like me? Um, well, basically, my mom told me uh, to basically be grateful to the universe, mm. and so she basically just always told me to uh, love and gratitude. And she taught me to be a citizen of the earth and to think of myself um, globally and to really, um, really be thinking about intention and what intentions are being put out into the world. And just about that love isn't something that you have a certain amount of. It's something that flows and you cannot run out of. So give it freely and trust and give everyone space to be awesome and that's what i love to do is to is to give everyone the space to be awesome and they will and they do and you know everyone has their own journey their own story their own person their own value their own place and they deserve to be seen loved and celebrated and my mom taught me to do that and that's the message that i would love to continue jimbo my i uh uh uh, (laughs) um (laughs) My eyes are filling with tears right now. That's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. What a what a gift that your mother gave you. That is that's so beautiful. And I love coming from the description that you that you painted of her earlier. This like big titted, long nailed woman giving you this like this, these like spiritual universal truths. My God, were you were you raised in Victoria? I know it's like a super super hippy dippy spiritual environment. No, I was raised in uh, London, Ontario. Oh no way! Oh, you're you're an Ontario, an, an Ontarian? Is that what they call them? An Ontarian, yeah. Ontarian. Ontarian. Wow. Yeah, and I was raised in a lot of chaos and mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, turmoil and sadness, and so my mom tried to give me those tools to just see beyond our situation mm-hmm. and to really just uh, find just value in myself and value in intention and being, you know, she always taught me to celebrate your failures and your successes. And, um, so she, she basically just really supports everything I do. And it has been so amazing and kind and really reminded me to just be generous and to be kind and to be loving. And um, so I love doing that. Oh, Jimbo, I hope that you, I mean, obviously you have your social media platform, but I hope that you have, find some other platform to be able to spread this message because it's so there's it's just universal truth everything that you are saying i mean it is and the thing that i think is so beautiful about it is that there's there's nobody in my life that i know that has this level of depth like you or rue or other people in my world who i love and admire so much that that depth has always come from a place of adversity that depth has always come from a place of struggle and of yeah. challenges and surpassing that and you know, and evolving through that i can see it in you yeah, I, I came through, you know, I like to say I was burnished in the flames of hell. And, you know, <laughs> and once you have been absolutely tortured and survived, you know, it's easy to find joy. And I also traveled through um, Uganda and Kenya for two months, uh, volunteering and studying. And going to those countries and seeing and living and being with the people there and walking, you know, I, people said to, to be afraid and to, you know, to stick to myself and all those things. I said, no, I'm going to walk everywhere I go. I will walk through every village, everywhere I go. And I made friends everywhere. And I got to see the most beautiful ways of living. I got to see how um, you can live with so little and have so much joy and still share and I was with a group of people that we, all we had was a little round of corn and each person passed the piece of corn and each person took one kernel and they passed and passed and passed. And it just like, it really showed me when I came back here where we have so much space, where we have so much baseline, baseline stuff that we don't even think about, mm-hmm. you know, running water and all of those things and all of everything set up these huge nets in place to save us. You know, when you go places and you see people don't have that, 
And, you know, when you're raised, um, you know, with instability and struggle and fear and all of these things, once you escape that and you start cultivating your own love and your own little bubble of joy, then all you can do is really celebrate because you realize, like, I am so lucky. I am so grateful. And this, what we have here needs to be celebrated and you need to be conscious of it so that you can value it. Absolutely. It's the tagline of my other podcast conversations with others, celebrate yourself and love each other because it starts from within. And I, I lived in Africa uh, years ago, actually, I lived in South Africa in 2010. And uh, it's similar to what you are saying when I when I visited townships and um, different tribal regions, it is about community, it is about passing what you have on to the next on to the next and bouncing off each other. And to come back to to bring this all back to drag race and to put it into the microcosm, there's an example, a perfect, beautiful example, which led to your first maxi challenge win the snatch game, you won that because not only were you embodying every ounce of Joan Rivers, but because you were paying attention to what was going on in the room around you and you shared your wealth and you, you know, you like took every moment and every opportunity to, to, to see, to seize the moment. What was, I want to, I want to talk about that experience with you, but first off, when I, when I did the work through work, I can never say that when I did the work room walkthrough with you, the only the only character you presented to me was Joan Rivers. Did you did you have yeah. any other options, or was that your your one and only? Well, basically, I would I would have done Nancy Grace, but then I had done it. Uh, I did Nancy Grace for that <laughs> challenge where I was full blown pissed to be here, and so that was so fun. And you know, I I other than that, I had done um, what is it? Amy Sedaris's. Uh, uh, Jerry Blank, but we're not allowed to do characters. You can only do people. And oh, yeah, interesting. You to, yeah, you need to be the person, the actual human, not their character. Right? Didn't they do? They did. They did Jerry Blank on was it All Stars Four? Oh, right. They, they did, did a challenge. Didn't they do a challenge yeah. where they were all a challenge? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Amazing. That game I couldn't. So um, yeah. So really, Joan Rivers was my was my main. My main choice. Oh my God, it was such a good choice because I mean, yeah. Detox had done Nancy Grace on on Snatch Game as well, so you were doing something. You were doing yeah, your own yeah. thing. We did it too. Wait, who who wait? Who else has done Joan Rivers? Has anyone done Joan Rivers? No one has done Joan Rivers, so I was so happy to be the first queen in history to do it. And bitch, you slayed that shit. Thank you. Oh, bitch, you slayed that shit. Thank you. I, I I that was only the second time I had done it. I did the first time I did it for the audition tape, and the second yeah. time on tv and then the third time was uh when i performed last week doing it gagged gagged i was like you must have done that a billion times i was like no literally that was just me making stuff up on the spot in god that- damn it was it was magical you and i feel like i feel like you and Lemon each tapped. I mean, all of you were fucking fantastic, truly, in Snatch Game. It really is, hands down, one of my favorite Snatch Games in Drag Race history. Really? Y'all knocked it out of the park for season one. But it, you and Lemon, goddamn, you as Joan Rivers and Lemon as Jojo Siwa. It's like you were ch- you were channeled. Both of you were channeling something. It was so, so beautiful. Um, what uh, That look that you won that challenge with, your Celine Dion look, was that something that you made? Um, that was something I designed, and it was made by my friend Sarah Runnels. So I work with my, one of my best friends uh, who works here with me is my friend Sarah. So she made that look for me. I think it, that look was absolutely stunning. My favorite, I think my top looks for you. This is my my, unsoli- my unsolicited top looks yeah. of Jimbo. Uh, your entrance your entrance look was absolutely everything to me. Your your mini mattress dominatrix, insane. <laughs> yes, the wind. Yes, incredible, I- iconic. <laughs> Um, that moment, uh, your Celine Dion look, your Lee Bowery denim look. Oh my god, I love that! Just ridiculous. Do you have a favorite out of everything you wore? Well, like for different reasons, there's a few different ones. Like I loved how powerful and huge I felt as the denim demon with the, you know, with my boots and my ponytail and the whip and my contacts and everything in my red nails. Like I really was feeling that fantasy. I mean, I was, yeah, it was your special day. It was it your was special day. day. <laughs> 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 and I also 
love the maxi maximum my hair one the where i had all those wigs on and the and like yes furnace and my nipples exed out i loved that like you know i felt like some sort of giant critter dirt devil thing i could have you know opened my own car wash or something and <laughs> and just um, like if i learned to be like a sexy ballerina and put that on yeah set me up bring your car by hello rills i love that um you know Everything in this life happens for a reason. I don't think that we should have any regrets or coulda, woulda, shouldas. But coming out of this experience, if you were to bless us with the pleasure and honor and joy of having you back one day for, let's say, all stars, what what would you do differently? Or what advice would you give to, what if anything would you do differently? Or what advice would you give to Jimbo uh, going into coming back into the workroom the second time around? Oh, my God. Dance lessons, girl. Get your yes, bitch. Girl. Yes, Jimbo. Yes. Oh my god, I need the dance lessons, please. I, uh-huh. I don't know. I need to. I need to take some dance lessons. Okay, go take some dance lessons. <laughs> Maybe if I say it a few more times. So there's yeah. that aspect. I also would love to have. Um, I think I would have loved to have. You know. Well, I would do way less of my, you know, big hoop skirt moment. Mm-hmm. I did that three times back then. I just, yeah. <laughs> for some reason, I love that shape. I love the feeling of feeling like a big princess. I guess, you know, you don't really get to do it that many times. And I was like, oh, I'm on the stage and I just want to have my waist and I want to have this thing left. But, you know, yeah. one thing leads to another and you end up, you know, sticking on too many things. And, you know, it's... You know, I, you know, of course, there are, you know, parts of me that should have been squished and switched around and this and that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I still love everything I made. I just, um, I guess I just, I wish it was just done a little bit differently. And my pageant look, the dress for that one was supposed to be a dress that slits up to my uh, waist. What happened? Down, I know. Well, Girl, what happened? That would have been so beautiful. I know. That was, that was, that was, sorry, that was not. That was uh, there was a, there was a tone of shade in that question with the what happened. That was not, not at all intentional. Genuinely, what happened? Oh <laughs> so hard not to destroy everything around me. What happened? <laughs> like this fire comes inside of me, and I'm just like, no! And <laughs> I, I, I. I basically started with that idea of like slid it up and then, you know, there happened to be this freaking poofy skirt lying around and it crept up my legs and onto my waist. And then all of a sudden I was there again with that tight waist and that thing going out. And I was like, I like it. And I just wish someone was there just going like, no, take that stupid thing off and put the slit in like you're supposed to. And instead I just, you know, it's that Cinderella fantasy, all of that like tooliness and the thing da 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 da, and it's just like, you know, I should have just saved it for another time, and it just I should have just stuck with my original vision. But it was good in theory, but I feel like I feel like those are great those are great points that you just made in things that you would do differently. First off, go with your gut, trust your intuition because you know what is the right thing to do. Don't second guess yourself. And secondly, the things that you're naming are all like logistical things. They're all like very practical things that you can attack from this point forward so that you are even that much more prepared to come in and slay the second time around. Like dance lessons. It's just so oh it's just I mean it's the advice that we give to every single queen before auditioning for the show. Take dance lessons, take sewing lessons, take singing lessons if you can you know like do everything that you can that is tangible because everything else that you brought you you don't need to change a damn thing Jimbo you brought every ounce of who you are we got to see the deepest most authentic sides of who you are and that was a winning combination so I'm so happy to hear that you can like pinpoint and identify the certain uh you know practical logistical steps that you can take towards um evolving into a even more fully realized version of who you are Thank you. Yes, absolutely, darling. Um, yeah, so we're going to have to wrap things up here, but no. if there... Yeah, well, what else do you want to talk about? What else do you want to talk about, Jimbo? Let's stay on here forever. I think we should. I think I'm just going to keep... I'm going to... I love that. I'm going to keep my cam on all day, and we can just watch each other day and night. Oh, Sanka. perfect. Ah! 
<laughs> I think I just breached my contract actually by saying that, but what are you going to oh, do? Yeah. <laughs> so if, if there's, if there's any, anything that you would want to leave the, the, the viewers with the fandom with your fellow Queens with the world with, what would that be? Do you have any, do you have any more words of love? Yeah. My words of love are to love you, to love us all to share messages of support and love because at the end of the day that is what is going to generate more art more love mm-hmm. more cool voices out in the world if we stop attacking each other and start supporting each other all of those voices that are out there spreading negativity if they turn and spread more love and joy like we could take over even more and you know by taking over i I don't mean in a negative way i mean in a positive way of just being Mm -hmm. visible of being out there and of showing that we love and that there is only more love from spreading love and that is at the end of the day what is going to bring um, the audience more of what they like which is more drag and more drag race and people feeling like they are in a safe place to express and be and so, you know, this space has been provided to us all. So let's cultivate love. And so I want to do that. Damn, girl. That is that is church right there. I swear, I promise you, I have been saying that for years. And you were the only other person that I have ever heard say that. I don't think that queer people have this acknowledgement that the way that the entertainment industry works and the, and the people who green light projects, for the most part, they're not queer people. They're not, yeah. they're, they're, there's, there's cisgendered yeah. heterosexual white people that are making these decisions. And when yeah. they go online, you know, when they launch a new show and they go online and they see nothing but hate and vitriol and cruel cruelty and harassment that does not give them any incentive to pick the show up for season after season or to create a spinoff or to create more queer content because why would they when they see that it's this vicious energy that goes along with the queer content yeah i think you know that the toxicity can be confusing and i and i think you know it's this you know drag has been sort of been taught to all of us to be um digested through judgment, through mm. this whole process of tooting and booting and and liking and loving or hating or not. And, you know, everyone to just realize that it's okay to see everybody. It's okay mm. to, to see someone and give them the space to be awesome and to not agree, but to go, yeah, that's you. And thank you so much for realizing that and for bringing that here and for giving me the gift of you. And rather than shit on you and shame you and scare you away from being you, I'm mm-hmm. just going to focus on what, what I love mm-hmm. and spread around that. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, hard, it's hard to, for, to explain to people that don't understand the fandom. Um, it's hard for them to sort of separate all of the negativity and, and to find, you know, the good and the negativity, like some of the fandom does, they, they think, oh, you know, this sort of, this sort of attention or this sort of, um, you know, way of looking at it is kind of funny and shady, but it's actually, it trans, it goes across the line into, you know, harassment and, and bullying. And, and that can be really confusing for people that aren't familiar with this culture, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, Jimbo, I just talking with you now, it makes perfect sense to me why you have been put in this position and have this platform and have this following because you have such a voice and you have such a message to spread it gives me such hope it fills my whole heart with such joy really truly oh my god i am so i just have such admiration and respect and love for you thanks honey i'm such a huge huge fan of you in and out of drag no matter what you do i just love every i love i love everything you do because you always bring jimbo to it there's nothing more beautiful than that and i just want to let you know that i love you and i think you're doing a great job thank you so much that means the absolute world to me and Mm. um i'm so grateful that we got to do this together we got to go on this journey together me too too. and i can't wait to for the future and you know to be out there in the world having fun and um, yeah, I love you so much, and you're an inspiration, and I can't wait to see what happens next for all of us. 
Oh, ditto, kiddo. Love you back. You're a part of the Drag Race family forever, and we are all in this together. Oh my God. Well, next time Rue comes over to your house, tell her I love her. I will. I will. <laughs> I'm sure she oh, loves you back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jimbo. Take good care of your sweet self, honey. Mwah. Bye. Okay, kitty girls, thanks for following along with us. We'll be sure to put links in the show notes to all of our Queen's social pages so you'll know where to find them, along with Michelle Visage, Brooklyn Heights, Stacey McKenzie, and myself. Once again, you can catch all new episodes of Canada's Drag Race every Thursday on WOW Presents Plus in the U.S. and select territories, as well as Logo, Crave, and Out TV in Canada, BBC3 in the U.K., and Stan in Australia. We'll see y'all back here on Friday, September 11th for our Season 1 finale of The Pod. And remember, drag is shady, but it's cute to be kind. So if you don't have anything nice to say, shut the fuck up. I'm JBC, and I'll see you next time. Bye!